Amen. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. How many of you young people go back to school this week? Raise your hand. Go back to school. And all the parents said, Amen. Amen. How many of you teachers have already gone back? Have already gone back. And uh, all right, getting preparing for battle. That's it, getting your armor on, all of that. Today, what I want to do is I want to just talk to us as a church about all of you young people going back to school, whether it's elementary or high school or college, and all of us who are going out into the world right now. The world's a mess, isn't it? The world's a mess. And we have a place in the world that I think is different than what most of Christianity would present to you. And today we're going to learn who we are from the Scriptures. From the Scriptures. And the Bible gives us a title. But what I want to do is I want us to just look at some characteristics, whether it's for children, for young adults, for the rest of us, wherever you are in life. This is information that the Bible gives to every believer about how we are to interact in the world. And why don't we have a word of prayer before we start? Lord, you're so good to us and we love you. We're very thankful. Lord, there are people, friends of, of people in our church right now who are really suffering, the Looker family. Father, I pray that you'll be with them and encourage them, help our church to know how to help them. And Lord, uh, please be with Brother Farrier, recovering from this very serious back surgery. And Carolyn Jess, struggling after uh, some kidney issues. Lord, there's a lot of people who really need you right now. But Lord, all of us need to know who we are in you and what our role in this world is in Jesus' name, amen. I think if you ever want to know just specific instruction on how to behave, how to live, First and Second Timothy are just fantastic for it. The Apostle Paul said, These things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So in this, in First and Second Timothy, we're given instruction on how to behave in the church, but we're also given instruction on how we are to interact with the world. One of the things that I have noticed when I listen to Christian radio, Christian music, is so much of it is about how hard life is and how you're helping me. And, you know, life is so hard and, and I'm so weak. And you know what I'm talking about? I get depressed, man. I listen to that stuff, and I look around. Is it really that hard? Is it really that hard? And that's what we're going to look at today is who are we supposed to be in Christ, and how do we interact with the world? And I'll tell you, it's, it's interesting. It's not fun to be back in the overflow. So I know that there are folks in the two different overflows that we have today. And Lord willing, after this week, tomorrow we'll meet with the city to see if we can get a variance so that we can expand our facility here and all of those things, and we pray that, that that will happen. Oh, let me say this. This is a parenthesis in the message. Start putting money away because we're going to need it. All right? How many of you recognize the buildings are not free? You recognize that they're not free. So I'm going to be asking for money from all of you. Now, if you're a guest with us and you say, all these preachers ever do is ask for money. Today, yes. <laughs> be prepared because I'm going to be asking every family to give several thousand dollars toward this building. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had two or $300,000 to go into the project with just cash? Like three people are saying amen. 
And I know why you're thinking, because you want it from me. Yeah, yeah, yes, I do. So it's, it be, really be thinking about that as you're preparing for Christmas or for trips through the fall. We're hoping to be in our new facility by this time next year. And so that means we have to have money. So if you all will be in prayer and start setting money aside, I'm going to be coming to you specifically with a request for every family. Some of you can do more. Some of you can't do anything. I think all of us can do something. And I'll be, I'll be bringing that to you. And uh, so now back to our previously scheduled programming. Now, when you look at this text, the Bible tells us specifically how we are to behave in the world. And the first thing it tells us is to be strong. Look at verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in yourself, be strong in your education, be strong in your own temperament. Is that what it says? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, none of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve heaven. I certainly don't deserve the amazing life that God has given me as a, as a servant of His. I don't deserve any of that. It's all grace. Remember, grace is a gift. That's what grace is. And this life that we have in Christ, it's a gift that He's given us, and we should be strong in it. Amen? We should be strong in that. Are you glad that you get to go to heaven? Anybody? Are you glad you get to go to heaven? Your sins are forgiven, that there's nothing that you ever have to do other than receive Jesus Christ as your Savior in order to be able to go to heaven. He gives you that free gift of eternal life. Is that awesome? Be strong in that. Don't doubt your faith. Don't doubt your salvation. If you're not sure whether or not you are born again, here's what you need to do. Get sure. All right? You either need to look back on the profession you made, and if you genuinely believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and received His free gift of eternal life, realizing you can't save yourself, if you genuinely did that, then you are saved and there's nothing else you ever have to do to go to heaven. If you look back and you're not sure what you did, get saved. Get saved. Just make sure. The Bible says make your calling and election sure. The Bible says work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Make sure that you're right with God. Make sure that your eternity is sure. And I'm glad that I know that I'm going to heaven. And you know what? I can be strong in that. I can know that when I tell someone about their eternal condition, I know that mine is secure, and I can promise them that theirs can be secure. Be strong in it. Amen? Be strong in it. If someone says, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? If you say, I hope so, you need to get strong. Amen? You go to the doctor. Is this going to help? I hope so. Dr. Edwards cuts on your leg. Doc, am I going to be able to walk after this? Not sure. Then why did you cut? Amen? It's so important. Be strong in the Lord. If you know for sure that you're going to heaven, give me a hearty amen. 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 Is there anyone saved in the overflow? Awesome. <laughs> Be strong in that. So young people, you're going back to school. Be strong in your faith. Be strong and realize that your strength for taking a stand for the Lord doesn't come from you. It comes from the grace of God. You can be strong. And then the Bible tells you how you can be strong. And this isn't only for the young people. This is for all of us. Going to work, our interaction with the world. Be strong in the Lord, the Bible says, and in the power of His might. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Can you recognize that we're in an evil day? 
So take that whole armor, the helmet of salvation, know what you believe about salvation, that it's through Jesus Christ alone. Take on that breastplate of righteousness, that the righteousness, it's not, it's not yours, it's something that you have to put on, it's Jesus Christ's righteousness. Take the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take that shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Have, have your loins girt about with the truth. Get those loose ends of your life tied up in the Word of God. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Young people, if you go to school prepared that day to give someone the gospel, you'll behave differently. Amen? You're not going to cuss somebody and then give them the gospel. So what are you supposed to do? Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God will help you. That's what the armor of God is. That's where it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And here, that's in Ephesians chapter 6. But here in our text, it says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then it tells us something else. Not only are we supposed to be strong, we're supposed to commit. We're supposed to commit. Now, I know any of you who are coaches, you want your athletes to commit. Right? You either be in or be out. God says that we are to commit. And here it, it, there's something very specific that we are to commit. Look at what it says in verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Young people, it's not enough that you have heard the word of God. Now, how do we know that that's what it's talking about? Look at chapter 1 and verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So the things that you're supposed to commit are those sound words that you've gotten from the Word of God and from biblical teaching. So young people, here's the idea. It's not enough that you sit here and you hear the truth. Now praise God. Look at all these kids, man. It's fantastic. There's so many of you. I love it. And you get to hear good teaching from Pastor Nathan and from Ty and your, your other instructors, your parents at home. You, it's an, it is good that you hear it, but that's not enough. You need to be able to tell it to someone else. And you don't really know something until you can tell it to someone else. Is that right? Have you ever taken a test? How many of you have taken a test before? You've taken a test. And you look at that question. Hmm. And then, I don't know if they do this anymore. When I was in school, you'd grade the test at the end. Do you guys still do that? You grade, in class, you grade the test. And then they give you, you get the answer. I knew that. No, you heard it. If you knew it, you would have written it down on all the teachers said. Amen. It's really important that we get this. You don't really know something until you can tell it to someone else. Y'all are hearing a lot of truth. You need to prepare to commit it to someone else. You've got to prepare. You've got to be ready to talk about the things of God with your friends. You've got to be prepared to talk about these things. Man, I hear Jacob talk about Transformers or about, you know, Captain America or whatever, and they have all these facts. I mean, he's got this head full of facts about stuff that's not real. <laughs> Y'all heard who, who President Obama's favorite Transformer was? Karl Marx. <laughs> um, <laughs> You, you, you hear about all of these things. You hear about all these things, and the, the, Jacob can talk about all this stuff, and it's not real. He's crying down here right now. It's not real. <laughs> You're not sure that's my son, and yes, he is abused. Um, 
It's amazing what our kids can talk about. Here in a little while, soon, we'll have our uh, fantasy football draft. And man, guys will prepare, and you hear all these people talking about who the best running back is, who's got the most yards from scrimmage, who's got the most yards after the catch. All of these different statistics that guys can talk about about football. Can you talk about the things of God with that kind of confidence and with that kind of assurance? So not only are we to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, we're supposed to be ready to take the things that we have heard among many witnesses and commit those same things to other people. Why? Because the gospel needs to continue. The Word of God needs to be propagated. I want you to think about something. If the Word of God in Sydney, the responsibility for the Word of God to continue in Sydney fell on you, how would you do? And let me tell you something. Young people, it is falling on you because we're getting old. We're going to die. Hopefully not today. We're getting old. Eventually, it's going to fall to you. You know what's really cool? You guys are going to do awesome. You have already demonstrated. You're already right now in your lives demonstrating that you are ready to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue in that. And the Bible says that. Continue in the things that thou hast learned. Now, let's look at this. So not only are we supposed to be strong in the grace, we're supposed to commit what we've learned to other people. All right? Faithful men, and that's when it gets into ministry. Now look at verse 3. I think this is where... I think there might be a little sticking point. Verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Who am I? Aaron sang that song. Who am I? Let me tell you who you are. You're a soldier. You're a soldier. And if you're going to be in a fight, it's a good thing to know that before you're there. Right? You don't want to get blindsided. And let me tell you something. You are in a fight. Young people, you're going back to school. You're walking into a fight. Well, wait a minute. I go to the Christian school. (laughs) Man, you're going into a fight. Well, I have Christian friends at school. You're going into a fight. Well, I've got some Christian teachers. You're going into a fight. You're going into a fight. Every person that goes out into this world is in a warfare. Is that what the Bible teaches very clearly? And so when Christian music, it's all about how hard my life is, what the Bible says, endure it. Be ready for it. Prepare for it. That's what the Bible says. And we are to be soldiers. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, in the United States military, how many of you want good soldiers as opposed to bad soldiers? Would you raise your hands? Right? In Christian warfare, how many of you think that the Lord wants good soldiers and not bad soldiers? How would, you be, how would you be described? How would the Lord Jesus Christ define your preparedness, your readiness to endure hardness? Endure hardness. It's very interesting. Look what it says in verse 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. So here's my question. Are you warring? Are you warring? Are you, do you recognize that you are in a battle, that you are in a warfare? The first thing that I want you to see is that it's a good fight. It really is. It's a good fight. And this is where modern Christianity really bothers me. It's very soft. It's just really soft. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, I I don't know. How many of you saw that the Charlotte school system, Charlotte, North Carolina, how many of you saw the news report about Charlotte? 
they're no longer going to use the terms boy or girl. That means that any boy that wants to participate in a girl's activity only has to identify as a girl for that period of time. That's what the rule states. Here's where I'm very confused. How can you identify as a girl if you're not allowed to use that word? These people are so stupid. They're defying, they're they're literally defying reality. And it's on purpose. There was a guy named Marcuse. He came from the Frankfurt School in the late 1800s. He came to the United States, went to San Diego State University, and started teaching teachers that influenced the Columbia Teachers School that in, to influence education to remove traditional morality. Why did Marcuse want to do that? Because he's a Marxist. And you can't take over a capitalistic society built on the foundation of the Word of God unless you destroy traditional morality. If you believe in right and wrong, if you believe in hard work, if you believe that if a man would not work, neither should he eat, if you believe in private property, all of that foundation comes from the Word of God. So if you can destroy people's reliance on the Word of God by destroying morality... You can bring in the Marxist utopia that these leaders want to bring in. And it's an agenda that's been pushed down our throats. And Christians, what do you think about transgender stuff? Well, who am I to judge? You're a child of God. What do you think about it? I think it's a mental illness. And you do not help someone by indulging their lunacy. You see? Hardness! Be hard! That's what the Bible says. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you're not helping people by indulging their delusions. And here's what they say. Here's what they're teaching the kids. That biological sex has absolutely nothing to do with gender. Charlotte school system. That's what they're teaching. That's in the Bible belt, people. How in the world can that happen in a Bible Belt? Christians. Christians not taking a stand. That's how it happens. Christians who are not enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You see, they don't realize that they're in a fight. Folks, we're in a fight. We are in a fight. We need to pray for our school administrators. We need to pray for our Christian teachers. We need to pray for them. Why? Because what they are doing is they're enduring hardness in their school for your kids. Pray for them, support them, help them, encourage them. If there is a fight and some transgender situation happens, you go and stand beside an administrator that's taking a stand. Amen? We need to make sure that Christians make their voices heard. And you young people, you need to be willing to stand against it because the entire pressure of the culture is against you taking that stand. And listen, listen, you're not going to gain any friends by denying Christ. What you're going to do is you're going to ruin your influence for that young person. And that young person may go to hell because you weren't willing to take a stand on an issue like transgenderism. And listen, they're the ones denying reality. All of a sudden, now science doesn't matter. Right? 
Any of our doctors could tell you, yes, you're either biologically male or you're biologically female. Oh, every once in a while, there's someone born with a, with, with a mixed-up situation. Okay, that's an anomaly. And let me ask, tell you something. It's not healthy and it's not good for that child. I'm, any parent, I'm a little distracted right now, but I'm going to say this anyway. Any parent that would indulge a little boy's desire to be a girl does not love that child. What's happening is you're preparing that child for heartache, for failure, for destruction, for misery. Here's what the Bible says. Train up a child in the way he wants to go. Is that what it says? Train up a child in the way he should go. Drop the Barbie. Step away from the Cabbage Patch doll. Unless you're cutting it up with a knife. Train up a child in the way he should go. Not in the way he wants to go, in the way he should go. Well, I was just born this way. A good dad can fix that. A good mom can fix that. It's really important. We need to understand this. Every child is confused. Right? There's little skulls full of mush that have to be molded. It's just true. And it's the parent's job to do that. Now listen, if a kid comes home from school hearing this gender identity stuff, and I don't, listen, I don't have any idea whether that goes on in our schools or not. I hope it doesn't. But I promise if it doesn't yet, it will. Would you all agree with that? It's coming. So if, if your child comes home hearing this confusion about gender identity, what you need to do is straighten out that child and then go in and have a discussion with the school. Well, you're just intolerant. You're absolutely right. I'm intolerant of this idiocy. You're lying to my kids. Boys are boys. Girls are girls. Amen? Amen. Now listen, a lot of this started when Christian parents wouldn't take a stand on clothing. The immorality that comes. What I think is interesting is the schools have dress standards. I mean, our public schools have dress standards, don't they? <laughs> Teachers are going like this. Well, they may not always enforce them, but they, but they have the standard. What I think is amazing is when Christians are violating the public school standard of dress. Well, if, we're not, if, if Christian parents aren't willing to take a stand on those things, then how are you going to take a stand on the more significant things as they come? When, you, when you've seeded the moral ground, when you've seeded that to the enemy, how are you going to reclaim it? Folks, let's just do right. Let's just do right. And how are we going to do that? Recognize that we're in a warfare. We're in a warfare. Do you know what the, you know what the uniform of a Christian is? This is going to shock you. Clothing. Not nakedness. Clothing, uniform of a soldier. What is our weapon? It's the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Let's talk about this enduring hardness a little bit. The first thing that I want you to see is it's a good fight. Go to 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. Look at verse 18. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest, look at what it says, war a good 
warfare. War, a good warfare. Now, let me tell you something. Do you wonder why a kid gets expelled from school for turning his pancake into a gun? Satan wants soft men. A society that's not willing to fight is a society that's easy to conquer. Amen? I'm just telling you, if a gunman came into Grace Baptist Church right now, our women would take him out. Now, if you're a guest here right now, you're thinking, oh, no, what kind of a cult did I just come into? You came into a place where we realize it's our own responsibility to protect ourselves. It's our responsibility to protect our loved ones and our family. Amen? We got tough people here, men and women alike. Tough, tough, strong warriors that are here ready to do what's right. Now, how many of you like that? Seriously, you like that. That's the kind of church that you want to go to. If you don't want to go to a church like that, there's lots of churches in Sydney where you'll have a woman stand up in a dress. Well, no, she probably won't wear a dress. The man will stand in the dress and tell you, you know, we need to just be kind. Yeah, be kind to the person that's about to shoot you. You see the problem? How many of you recognize that's a problem? What am I talking about? When you have a culture that teaches boys it's always wrong to fight. Is that, is that a true statement? It's always wrong to fight? Is that a true statement? The Bible says here that thou might, by them, mightest war a good warfare. Now, this is a spiritual warfare. This is, this is clearly a spiritual warfare in the text. But you can't have godly men, godly young ladies, ready to war a spiritual warfare if we've taught them that there's nothing to stand for. It's very interesting. Uh, let me say this. Uh, I'll, I'll get to it in a second. So here in our text, it is a good warfare that we are preparing for. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 21. Do you recognize that the culture is entirely opposed to what it takes to be godly people and have a godly culture? Now, let me say this. I don't want our young men going around getting in fights all the time. And it's very interesting. There may be someone in the room right now that's thinking, oh, he wants to raise a bunch of thugs. You really think that's what I'm talking about? I love what Ravi Zacharias says. A gentleman is one who would never harm someone unintentionally. But when it comes time to hurt somebody, you better be ready to hurt them bad. If that's what it takes to protect your family, to protect your sister, I, I, I think I got this from uh, Dave Spicer, but I've told Jacob when I'm away, you know, if someone's going to hurt his mother or his, his sister, he'd better be dead in a ditch. He'd better have been, been fighting to the death before he allows that to happen. Are you all with me on this? Amen. These are the kinds of men that we are to be raising at Grace Baptist Church. Strong men who are ready to take a stand and yet who behave properly. We're going to talk about that the rest of the time. Our guys shouldn't be giving the teachers trouble. Our guys should be helping the teachers. All right, so now look at Proverbs chapter 21. Look at verse 29. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 29. A wicked man hardeneth his face, but as for the upright, he directeth his way. 
It's very interesting. Man, when you watch these Taliban leaders and these ISIS leaders who with stoic faces chop the heads off of people just for not believing the way that they do. These are evil, evil people and we have to have soldiers that are willing to stand against that and not be dismayed by their faces. That's what God told Jeremiah against the the evil of his day. Be not dismayed by their faces. We are going to endure a hardness That's hard to comprehend that love of many will wax cold. We are going up against evil, evil, evil people. I I saw that uh, Kane, um, the running mate for Hillary Clinton, was speaking to a group of pastors, Baptist pastors. Now, they're liberal Baptist pastors. They don't believe the Bible. But he, he said that Hillary Clinton's faith is very important to her, her Christian faith and identified it as her Methodist faith. And I wish there was somebody there that was, oh, her Methodist faith teaches her that it's okay to chop up babies and sell their parts, to kill as many children as possible. Her Christian faith tells her that it's okay to teach children to abuse their bodies with themselves, that that's okay, that's the Christian faith. Do you see the problem that we have? People don't even know what a Christian is anymore. And they've hardened their faces to the truth. And we, young people, you're going into school with people who do not know the truth and who hate it. And you've got to be ready to stand for the truth. Even if you have to stand alone to stand for the truth. Go to chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. Look at verse 4. This really does show us our role in the culture. They that forsake the law praise the wicked. Giving an espy to Bruce Jenner. Right? Praising the wicked. They that forsake the law praise the wicked. But such as keep the law tolerate them. Encourage them. Support them. What's it say? Contend. Contend. You know, we are to earnestly contend with the faith, but for the faith, but we are also supposed to earnestly contend with the wicked. Don't let them get away with it. Someone makes a stupid statement in class, just say, I, I, hey, just a minute. I disagree with that 100%. It's evil. What was just said was wicked. Well, you're not being very tolerant. Good. I'm glad I'm communicating well. No, I'm not tolerant of that. It's wicked. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. You just need to know it's wicked, and that wickedness will hurt them. You see? Contend. Contend. What does it say right here? But such as keep the law, contend with them. Look at chapter 29. Why? Why do we contend with them? Chapter 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Do you see that? Shall suddenly be destroyed. Now, this is really important. You young people, if you have friends that hold to wicked ideas, all right? If you have a friend that holds to wicked ideas, the reason you contend with him is because he will be destroyed by those wicked ideas. If you are really that friend, the Bible says, as iron sharpeneth iron, so does a man the countenance of his friend. 
So if you are really that person's friend, you're going to contend with them and the friction from that will help them. And it will help you. Why? Because you'll get harder and harder and stronger every time you do it. When I, when I played football, man, the first time you get hit in the face, it hurts really bad. The second time, it hurts really bad, but you're more used to it. You're not as surprised by it. When I used to box, man, there, Josh was saying that, that, that sometimes you have people come to the police force who've never been in a fight. They've never been punched in the face. Man, if you've never been punched in the face, you're going to be really surprised what it feels like when it happens the first time. But when you're a fighter, when you've learned that, you know what, yes, it hurts, but you can keep going and you can keep going through it. You get tougher. You get harder. And one of the problems with 21st century Christianity is that we have made life for our children so easy. And I'm guilty of this. So, man, we grew up so poor, we couldn't afford to pay attention. I mean, we didn't have... Some of you have heard this. When my dad was starting the church in New York, he would bring... we, We had this man that would come by the church and he had bought bread from the day old store. When, the, when they couldn't sell it at the old store anymore, he would buy it and sell it out of the trunk of his car. When, now, it's interesting. The culture has moved so far. That wouldn't work anymore. Nobody would buy it because we all have so much. But back then, this is in the 60s, that it, it would work. When, he, when it got so stale, he couldn't sell it out of his trunk anymore. He'd bring it to the church and give it to us. And I, you remember those little sponge cake things that, you know, like you do for, for strawberry shortcake or whatever? You know what I'm talking about? I was a teenager before I found out those weren't supposed to be crunchy. <laughs> Life was different for us. We didn't have much. And you just learned to get by. How many of you remember that what you played with was a rock and a stick? You'd make your own toys, right? The idea of transformers... The idea of my dad spending $40 on a toy when he's making 100 bucks a week, it just wasn't... How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. So now we have a, an entire generation of Christians who have never really endured hardship, and now they're told to do that as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But they think that the air conditioning going out is hardship. Let me read something to you that... One of my commentators wrote about warfare. Nearly any unsaved man in combat goes through more for his own government than an American Christian goes through for the truth of God. You must be able to sleep in the rain. You may have to sleep with your coveralls stuck to the ground by ice and frost. The K-rations may not come up every time, and you may have to fight after having had nothing to eat for 48 hours. You will see men go crazy around you, Uh, He calls it jungle jolly, combat fatigue, shell shock. You will see your best friends and sometimes relatives killed. You may find one of your buddies strung up on a jungle trail with certain parts of his body cut off and stuck in his mouth. You may lie in a rice paddy waiting for gangrene to rot off your leg after getting a wound that you can't dress and the medic can't reach you. You may lose a leg going through a minefield. You may have a grenade go off between your legs. You may be caught below sea deck when the whole ship is a raging cauldron of burning oil and gasoline. You may drown or be eaten by sharks as you swim for your life by night to get away from a sinking ship. They may capture you and put you in a cage on your head with live rats in it. They may nail you to a four-by-four box studded with nails to get you to give more than your name, rank, and serial number. 
And you may pull off your boot when you're... And when you pull off your boot as your leg from the ankle down may have been frozen solid for four hours. That's what it means to endure hardness as a good soldier. Not to have somebody laugh at you because you go to church on Wednesday night. I think our understanding of enduring hardness, it's just changed. You know, when people earned their living walking behind a mule in a field, that's a little different than working in a factory. Now, I'm not diminishing your hard work in a factory. I mean, some of you work very hard in a factory. But it's just different than it used to be, where your very survival, if, if that crop didn't come up, your family might die. If you lose your factory job, the government will feed you. Our understanding of hardness, it's just changed. And I can promise you this. Our culture is going to continue to go downhill. And we as Christians must learn to endure that hardness. How do we do that? We've got to become hard ourselves. How do you do that? How do you do that? Hard work, confrontation, contending for the faith, standing against the evil of this world, and warring a good warfare. Go back with me. Second Timothy. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. You know, let's, let's just chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant. That means to be ready. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. You know what's wonderful? That time hasn't happened at Grace Baptist Church. Right? You all love sound doctrine. That's why you come here. Praise God. Now look at what it says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I've got to tell you, man, anybody that goes to the Methodist church after they have, have put homosexuals in office, they're just wrong. They're just wrong. Now, I know many of you have friends, and there are, there are saved people that go to the Methodist church. I don't have any doubt about it. They want to serve God. I don't have any doubt about that. But they are identifying with wickedness. They are tolerating wickedness and the worst kind of wickedness. The kind of stuff that a hundred years ago people didn't even know what it was. Now it's endorsed by the church. How many of you think those people are going to endure hardship? How many of you think those people are going to be on your side if you take a stand against homosexuality when they send their money to them? And it's real quiet in here right now. If you agree with me, say amen. 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 We have visitors here who aren't sure who we are. They need to know that Grace Baptist Church stands for the Word of God, not for any denomination. Right? When Baptist churches go bad, you know what we say? They're evil. They're wrong. They're wicked. I just said it a few minutes ago. We have to take a stand, folks. And Christianity in Sydney is going down and down and down and down because they're not willing to stand for the truth. Let's make sure that doesn't happen at Grace Baptist. So let's go back to our text. 
And what these people have done is they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They just love to tickle their ears. Verse 4. We box your ears here. (laughs) Verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now look at what this says. But watch thou in all things. Now that watch thou... That, uh, remember, the context of First and Second Timothy is warfare. You're on watch. Now, now, all of you who have been in the military, what happens if you neglect your post when you're on watch? That's big trouble, isn't it? That is big trouble. Do you know what happens when Christians neglect their watch? They elect homosexuals to church offices. And then what comes from that? Absolute destruction for those children. Let's continue. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, And not to me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. Okay, young people, here we go. Do you love Jesus Christ? If you love Jesus Christ, say amen. Amen. I promise you that that idiot at school that you want to be friends with, that doesn't hold to the truth, that when you stand before Jesus Christ, you'll wish you had stood for Jesus instead of that person. What should you do? Contend with that person. And if they're worthy of being your friend, they'll agree with you on it. If they disagree with you on it, That's not the kind of friend you need to have anyway. Amen? Amen. We as Christians, let's understand that we are in a warfare. Who am I? I am a soldier of Jesus Christ. Let's be ready for battle. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these godly people.